Welcome to Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You, and trust me, there's a lot of it. I'm Kathy. And I'm Meredith. And we're experts on teens. Yes, that's actually a thing. We've worked as college admission officers, prep school administrators, and have coached and mentored thousands of teens in our lifetimes. When it comes to teens, we've seen it all. Teens can be wild and wonderful all at once, but they can also frustrate the hell out of you. The good news is that we speak teen. So join us every week as we drop knowledge and interview teens and other experts to help you gain valuable insight into your teenager's world. Because parenting is hard AF, but we've got your back. Welcome to another episode, actually kind of a follow-up episode. So this, this episode, we're going to talk about college list mechanics. Last time we talked about how to build a college list, Kathy and I listened to the podcast and we were like, we talked a lot of philosophy, like we need to get down to the business of building a college list. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. Kathy, how are you? Are you excited to talk about this? I can't wait. <laughs> I've had so many conversations with with my juniors as of late around building a college list and my junior parents around Mm. how do you build a college list? And it's, it's interesting because, you know, you and I have done it so many times. And I think this is what we realized in our last episode is like, we don't even question whether or not people know what our reach target and likely are. And one of my juniors was like, wait, so what's a target? Wait, what do you mean? The store? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What do you mean? Right. Exactly. Right. And he was like, well, do you mean like, is it based on how selective a school is or is it based on like my profile in comparison to the school? You know? And I was like, very good question (laughs) that I take for granted that you just totally get the lingo. So that's why we're doing this episode today and I'm excited to do it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. You're right. We do sort of take for granted that people just can read our minds and it turns out that's actually not the case. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the first thing we should talk about is timing, you know, like when do you build a list? Right. And, uh, I'll jump in with my thoughts and then Kathy, you jump in with yours. So I would say we start, you know, depending on when I start with this, working with a student, we're kind of always in the process of discovering, um, what they like and what their interests are with the goal of eventually arriving at a good working list for me, at least sometime in the sort of spring of junior year. I like knowing who the key players are going to be before they go off to do whatever fun things they're going to do in the summer. It's not that students can't change their mind in the fall of the senior year or that they won't have experiences that make them change their mind, but it's just good to know who the major players are kind of by the end of the second semester of junior year so that you can start turning your attention to the business of actually applying, writing essays, the mechanics, I like doing that because it just takes the stress down a notch in the fall of, of senior year. Right. So that's my kind of rough timeline. What about you, Kathy? No, I'm this, I feel the same way. I feel like you need a lot of the information from junior year. So if you're building a college list sophomore year or even freshman year, it's just too early. You don't have all the facts yet. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for, I just had a sophomore parent ask me this, like they want to know which reach schools they should be looking at. And I was like, it's too early, right? It's too early. It's too early. You can't, I don't think we have enough information yet. We need the data. We need the grades from junior year. We need to know Yeah, the interests need to get a little refined and major, you know, all the things that kids will naturally come to as they become upperclassmen, as they do more school. Yeah. Anyway. So I think 
starting a more serious conversation for semester of junior year, like really researching, starting to do tours and info sessions with the goal of having a working list by second semester of junior year, with the final goal of having a final college list by the, I don't know, October of senior year, like end of October. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. And I would say if you're applying early, so early, and we can talk about what that even means. Yeah. I want to know those schools by end of September. Right. Right. And the rest of them, if they have January deadlines, end of October. Yeah. I agree with that. Okay, good. I like it. (laughs) I'm I'm glad to see we're on the same page. Shockingly, Kathy and I agree. Um, the other, the other question that I think gets thrown our way a lot is around size. You know, how many schools should a a student think about applying to? What's a good amount of schools? So when, how do you answer that question? So I say, generally speaking for the vast majority of kids, okay, this is, everybody is different. So I don't want to say that there's one rule for everybody, but yeah, generally speaking, I would say 10 to 15. And we're in California, so a lot of kids that we're working with apply to the UCs, with the UCs being one application of the 10 to 15. And I'll just put a caveat on that when I say, you know, generally that works for a lot of kids. I have worked with kids who've applied to three schools or five schools, and I have worked with kids who've applied to more than 15 schools. And I would also say that I actually prefer three to five over 20. Oh, hell yes. What would you say about that? I would say I prefer <laughs> that every single day of the week and twice on Sunday. Um, yeah, I was actually going to ask you if you think there's some such a thing as too many schools to apply to. Yeah, I, I do. do. Yeah, I think we've, we, you know, it's because we've done it enough time. Like we've seen mm-hmm. kids go through it. And I always tell parents, it's like, you think, think about it in terms of ROI, like return on investment, right? Totally. Like you just... At some point, you're investing so much. And usually when you have a long list, it's it's top heavy and kids spend all their time and energy trying to put together great applications for that top part of their list, the most selective part of their list, where the mm-hmm. return is very low, right? Like real, low. real, really low, like maybe 0%. So that's yeah. why we... I would, well, I won't speak for you You can say this, but that's why I don't like top heavy lists or longer lists because usually the longer lists are top heavy. What do you say about that, Meredith? I agree on all fronts. I don't like, I don't like really, really large lists because I think, you know, for a lot of parents, if you went to college, if you're listening to this and you went to college and if you went to college in the United States and you kind of are remembering your process, you might remember like the one essay you had to write. Well, applications have really changed there, especially now that more schools are test optional and probably going to persist in being test optional. They're looking at these more qualitative parts of the application, short answer questions, supplemental essay questions, the main personal statement. They're putting more emphasis on that, right? So that means there's often more stuff to write and it's just hard to write a, you know, really well, multiple drafts for 20 schools. Like it's just yeah, like logistically, physically, really stressful, really hard to do well. I've actually yeah. never really seen it done very well. And I agree with you. I've had stu- I've had students who have had really nice, tight lists, you know, five schools, six schools. Those students nailed the research process. They sort of nailed the selectivity and they're balanced, which I do think kind of brings us to balance, you know, to balance. <laughs> balance is always a thing in life to strive for. And it's no different. 
in the college application process. Yeah. Yeah. So when we work with students and they come in with their 10 to 15 schools, they've sort of identified those. So that's sort of step one. Step two is to really look in, you know, kind of get out our finer tooth comb, comb through that list and try to understand, okay, how selective, you know, what do we believe are sort of the odds of this child getting into these schools? And let's sort of categorize these schools into certain buckets. So different college counselors use different terminology for the purposes of this conversation. I think we'll say reach target and likely. Is that a good division? Yeah. I use reach target likely. And sometimes I'll add in a high target or a low reach, you know, Mm -hmm. every once in a while. But the general wording I use is reach target likely. So if I'm a parent and I want my student to apply to wash you and I say, Kathy, is this a reach target or a likely? How do you go about answering that kind of question? How do parents or how do students figure out where those schools land on the selectivity spectrum? So this is where context is really important. And so every time, you know, we work with students who go to a variety of of schools, right? Like very rigorous college prep versus like very large public schools. And so the context is is king when it comes to figuring out your distribution uh, or figuring out where, where schools land in reach target are likely for you. So I always tell kids, like the first thing I say is, what software does your school use to track college admissions data? So is it score? Is it, is it score or square? <laughs> it's score. Everyone I've ever, like, I think they pronounce it score. It, for those of you listening and wondering what the heck we're talking about, there's an acronym for this software, this college software platform, and it's S-C-O-I-R. And that's why, that's why Kathy's having a phonetic issue at the moment. Kids always too. They're like, what's it? Squirrel? Squirrel? So if you're, you know, that's a really new, uh, it's not super new, but it's really popular now. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's used to be all the rage and now people are starting to use score. And then there's schools that use other things as well and homegrown pro- mm-hmm. uh, programs. So that's the first step is going to your school's college counseling office or career and counseling office and talking with your school counselor and trying to figure out like, where does our admissions data live? And how can I figure out like, like on Naviance, one of the things they have is a scattergram, right? Yeah. So you look at the scattergram and you kind of see like where are all the red X's, those are the kids who didn't get in. And where are the green checks? Those are the kids who did get in. Am I sitting with the red X's or am I sitting with the green checks? Or there's a mix of red and green based on my objective factors, right? So it's just looking at GPA and SAT yeah. or ACT, or now for a lot of students, there is no test score. So you're really just basing it off GPA. So it's, and schools aren't ranking, like that's mm-hmm. so popular now, like mm-hmm. basically no schools are ranking anymore, mm-hmm. which is, I understand philosophically why schools do that, but it is confusing when it comes to the college process to be like, am I the bottom 50% of my class or the top 50% of my class? I mean, the 25, top 25%, top 10%, top five, right? Because I think that data is really what you need to figure out where certain schools will sit on your list. And I would also add one more caveat to that is just because you have a 4.0 GPA and it puts you at quote unquote, the top of your class, the rigor of your curriculum is absolutely a part of that equation as well, right? So I, I hear a lot of kids wanting to protect their GPA. It's 
there is more to your GPA. Mm-hmm. That's another mm-hmm. podcast episode, but there is more to your GPA yeah. than just the number. Yeah, no, that's all really great. I mean, I think let's pull the curtain back a little bit more and talk just a, a little bit about GPA, just to, you know, heads up that. So first of all, what do we mean by rigor? Rigor to me is sort of volume of coursework and the sort of level of coursework. And that can be measured by things like an AP program, an honors program, an IB program. It could also mean that, you know, if a typical load at your school is five classes and you're taking six, or most students stop foreign language in their third year, but you decided to take a fourth year, those are all sort of ways to demonstrate rigor. And that's absolutely considered uh, in the admission process. And then this whole GPA thing, you know, newsflash, everyone, colleges recalculate your GPA. So the transcript, but the GPA that your child sees on their transcript is not necessarily the GPA that they'll use or that the college sees as your child's sort of record. I had I had a conversation with a student last night about this very thing as we were planning out, we were talking about the courses they wanted to register for senior year, and they were talking about their GPA. And we were sort of having this conversation about, you know, what's the, the amount of rigor they should take on that's appropriate for them senior year. And they're like, well, my GPA is this, 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 you know, that other. And I was like, well, I, you know, I, I'm like, I'm not knocking your hardcore performance in PE, but it's probably not going to be considered <laughs> as part of your yeah. application as, you know, it, right. there's going to be more emphasis on the grade you got in calculus than on the grade you got in PE. And that's just something that I think is real and folks need to be aware of. And then the other thing, you know, Kathy, you did, you talked a lot about, you know, how we categorize schools as reach target likely within sort of the context of the school, but then the, you know, it is a little bit of an art also. We're looking at the college sort of admit profile and looking at things like Okay, what is what is sort of the admission differential between a student who applies early decision and a student who applies regular decision? And we can talk about a whole other podcast on types of college admission deadlines. And is there any difference in how hard it might be to get into a school if someone is applying to computer science versus art history? And it's for some schools, that's a real thing. And for others, for a whole host right. of schools, that doesn't matter at all. Um, so there's a lot yep. of nuance that goes into- Variables. Yeah, a lot yeah. of different factors that go into mm-hmm. how we sort of categorize the, the list of schools that a student comes to us. And, and then I think, you know, I think in terms of balance, because folks are like, oh, that's great, Meredith. Like, thanks, Kathy. You know, I get it. Well, can't we have- you know, nine reaches, one likely, one target. And the answer is, yeah, you could. You know, I think how you actually distribute those numbers is probably wouldn't be like my first choice for a student. But if you have a high tolerance for rejection, that could be that could be a good distribution. Yeah. Or I mean, or honestly, if you are in the top five percent of your class and you are killing it. <laughs> Right. Yeah, it might make sense. It might make right. sense for you to have a top heavy list because you're you can get in the arena at those like that very selective level. So it could make sense to do that. It could make sense. Yeah. It could make sense. And then I have other students. It's interesting. I have other students. It's really sort of an attitudinal position and choice. I have other students I like that. who attitudinal. Attitudinal. It's true. Because I have I was working with a student last year who was this, she happened to go to a public school that still did rankings. And she was like the third in her class. She was an excellent student. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I really admired the way she approached the process because she really focused on 
she wasn't really into the proper noun. She had some highly selective schools on her list for sure, but she was just like yeah. super happy with her whole list. That's the, that's the ideal, by the way, everybody. She also, yeah, this is what, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've had plenty of yeah. not this, but she also like didn't, um, she was actually kind of real about it. She was also like a little bit of a anxious bunny sometimes. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Meredith, like for real, I don't like rejection. Like I want more yeses than no's. And I was like, okay, if that's like really what right. you want, then let's build this list right, accordingly. Right. And it was cool that she knew that, you know, and she was okay with that. Totally. Yeah. And so I think our point is that not every student is the same. There are some general rules that you should, yeah, good rules of thumb that you should follow. But, you know, every student is different and it's important to recognize those differences and honor them when you're list building, right? But I would just say, like, we are mostly talking about mechanics. I would just be wary of this idea that we brought up in our last podcast, which I'll bring up again because it can't be said enough times because we hear it over and over again. Like, a strategy in which you just apply to as many highly select, like every single Ivy League. I've seen that before, right? Like, let's just apply to all the Ivy League schools because let's just see oh, yeah. what happens, Yeah. right? Like, what's the let's harm in that? And I think there is harm in that, right? I think that, right? And I think that people really oh, don't see totally. that though. But people are like, well, what totally. is the harm in that, right? Because it's just the lift, right? The the mental lift to do that, those applications are hard and they ask hard questions and they are not easy to complete, right? So it's it's a mental burden. It's a, it's an emotional burden <laughs> to get those applications done. Yeah. Time, time, right? And at the end of it, all stress, of that stuff, time, yeah. stress, expectation, it's just, there is a cost to it. And then at the end of it, what we find 99.9% of the time is that that strategy doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And then there's this emotional cost at the end of it, right? So I just want to, again, we're going to talk about mechanics, but I just want to put that out there one more time because yeah, it's so I mean, important. It's so important. You don't want your child to emerge from this process all bruised and battered. You want them to feel empowered. And yeah. there's there's some of this process that's sort of beyond anyone's control. And there's some X factors involved that we, you know, we can't always read the tea leaves, but there's other stuff that we actually can control and influence. And I say, why not, why not choose the option that promotes like overall well-being? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. You. I was trying to, as you were th- as you were talking, I was trying to think of, um, you know, from a mechanical standpoint, like what are the, like, some do's and don'ts that we really want to emphasize other than what we've already said. And you brought something up earlier that I think is really subtle, but so important. So wait, before you do that though, yeah, to hold that thought for one second, holding, have we actually answered the question? What is a reach, a target and a likely? <laughs> have oh. we actually, did we actually answer that? I'm not sure we did. This is a, okay. I think <laughs> Kathy, I'm so glad you said that because I think all of you who are listening, it just happened again. We're like, Kathy and I just assume that we did, but actually we didn't. So, okay, let's do that. We did. Okay, do it. Let's Go do ahead. it. You do it. Okay. Yeah, do it. Do it. Here's <laughs> how I define a REACH. A REACH is a school where your sort of academic profile, and by that I mean things like your, your performance in high school, your grades in high school, the rigor of your curriculum, standardized testing, if that's a factor, falls below what is typically accepted at that school, both when compared to national data, so all applicants, and also your school-specific data, and or it's a school that is so stupid selective, like it is just- Highly rejective. Highly rejective. (laughs) Yes. I like stupid selective. (laughs) (laughs) Highly 
Excellent. Objective. I like the alliteration of it. Um, that it's just like always going to be a reach for everyone. Let me give you a great example in our backyard. Stanford, pretty much always going to live in that category. Yep. Um, okay. So that's how I define a reach. They're highly rejective because they reject 97%. 97%. So, so just think about that. Think about that. A hundred mm-hmm. students apply, like 2.8. Are going to get in. Are going to get in. Right. Like, would you want to apply to 20 jobs like that? I'm just saying, you know, like you want to put a lot of energy applying like as an adult, like if you know that your chances of getting this job are 2.8%. I don't know if I would do that. People play the lottery a lot, but this is not the lottery. No, it's not the lottery. Very important point. Not the lottery. Not the lottery. That's not how it works. Okay. Target. Do you want to define target? Oh, sure. So for me, a target is a school in which I feel like you have about a 50, 50 shot. Mm -hmm. And it's sometimes hard, like depending on a student's profile to find schools that fit very squarely with that, like 50, 50 profile. Yeah. Um, I find for my high achieving students who have very strong academic profiles. Um, so we'll just talk about objective factors and not this objective. Cause that's a whole other podcast when they have strong objective factors, test scores going in or GPAs cu- curriculum, things like that. I find that it's a little hard for those kids to find a school with like a perfect mm-hmm. target. Do you know what I'm saying? Does that I make sense? I, in fact, you do know what you're saying. You do. Okay. I do. <laughs> Right. I was just going to say like, you understand, but am I explaining in a way that parents would understand that? I I think if you think about it as a possible or 50, 50 school, that's language that I find families can relate to, you know, where your child on paper, about half of the students who look like your kid on paper get in and about half don't. So it can kind of go either way, but it's a more optimistic, possible, probable chance than a highly rejective or reach school. Right. I think that's how I tend to describe the target. Right. I tell students, oftentimes I'll say, uh, if you got in, I wouldn't be surprised. And if you didn't get in, I wouldn't be surprised. That's kind of where right? that school yeah. sits. I think, I, think that's, I think that's great. I think that's really good. Yeah. Um, and then there's the likely. The best part yeah. of the list, everybody. Love your likelies. I'm going to say it again. Fall in love with your likelies, friends. <laughs> Yes. There's so many good schools out there and it's so hard. I get it. I get it. Like we won't get into, we're not going to wax philosophical on this. We did that last time. We, we can't did do that last time. Now. We're not going to do it. But it's, it's so fun for us. Re- I know. It is so fun <laughs> for us. We're like, we can't help it. We're too preachy. We got to stop. Likely. It, 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 likely. Uh, it's, it, you're getting into a likely school, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. Fun. <laughs> what it's so said. fun to pick likelies because I'm like, good. You love it. I, I had a, a girl last year who loved her likely and I, it was awesome because she was like, really? I'm like, yeah, you're getting into the school. She's like, yes, I love this school. I'm like, exactly. So that's why, you know, that's what we want for all of our students. Yeah. And I have had many students, this actually does happen because I think it's important to put this out there. People may not believe me, but I've had many students who have gotten into reach schools and gotten into obviously their likelies and chosen likelies. Yep. Me too. It's happened. I have seen it too. I have seen it. I have seen it. Okay. So that's, and you know what? what? You might get some money at your likely. Oh, I'm just yeah. saying. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So don't be just likely are going to be interested in seeing how they can get you to right deposit. They're excited. They're psyched for you to come. It feels good to be. Yeah, that's actually a great point. If 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 finances are going to play a significant role in the decision making process, it's it's important to have uh, a good, healthy amount of likely options Mm -hmm. on your list. That's where you're going to get the most sort of potential for merit based scholarship or grants. Yep. And yep. we'll do a whole financial aid. We have so much to talk about. There's so many podcast episodes. Oh, and, and also, I, I, this is like a little plug for folks to reach out to us over email or on our website to let us know if there's something specific you want me and Kathy to talk about. Because, you know, we like to talk. We, <laughs> we sure do. And we, we sure can, do. We can cover a lot of topics, not just on college counseling, by the way. Oh, yeah. Like if you want us to do a show on cooking or like cooking. Uh, British television, uh, what else could we <laughs> Actually, you've just kind of nailed. Uh, yeah, we do a lot of cooking. Animals, we, animals. We animals. probably do a, great we do a lot of yeah. pets, pets, pet care. <laughs> pet okay, training. but back to our topic okay, today because I do want to. I do want to share some. You mentioned something earlier that I think goes under the radar, and it's kind of in the do's and don'ts, or just kind of keep this in mind category of topics, which is make sure your child. De- does connect with their counselor at their high school. Yes. Um, So some of your kids go to schools where there's a dedicated college counseling staff and there's, you know, one college counselor for 20 students. Great. That's awesome. A lot of maybe others of you, there's like one college and career guidance office or counselor for the school for the 2000 person school, right? That was my high school. Yeah. I mean, either way, that person or those people who work in that office they are very important. And so I think especially if you're working with someone maybe outside of your high school, it doesn't mean you you leave that person out of the process because they're the ones responsible for sending school materials on your child's behalf. They have school-specific data that's going to be useful for your child um, yeah. to help them figure out their list. And there's just stuff that they need to know and that your kid needs to know. And so that's like really, really, really important that you, Mm -hmm. you, you are having a good, positive, healthy relationship with that individual and sending them, especially if they're someone who is the only college counselor for hundreds and hundreds of students, give that person Mm -hmm. some love. They need it. Yes, (laughs) totally. I tell my, I tell my students all the time, the families that I work with, I was like, you need to go talk to your school counselor. Have you set up an appointment to talk to your, like, I actually can't answer that question. The better person to answer that question is your school counselor. So you need to go talk to them. So, you know, don't count them out just because you're working with somebody else. Correct. Um, Yeah, I just thought that was so important. And that's something that I often find I'm having to remind students of more and more. So I don't know, do you have anything in that neighborhood of, you know, do's and don'ts? Make sure you remember X. I, well, I would say one of the things that I find happens a lot for students when they're visiting colleges or researching colleges is they just forget everything. So I would have a place where you keep your notes or are writing things down, just jotting, you know, whatever it's on your iPhone and you, in the notes section, you're writing a couple of things, right? Like, oh my God, I make them do like study guides. (laughs) Of course you do, Meredith. You would. I'm like, (laughs) I would. If you ever work with me, your child will do a whole study guide guide. (laughs) on their college research. I don't. So if your kid doesn't want to do make them like I'm like take pictures. I want them uploaded. On yeah. <laughs> You're so funny. I Annotate, love it. Caption. No. <laughs> I mean, I would like to see your book report on your college tour. Thank you. But 
you know, it, it is important to like try to remember this stuff because colleges will actually start sounding the same after a while. And the messages that they give are really similar. And anyways, you know, we we can also do an episode on TikTok. We need to do an episode on research. (laughs) In case you couldn't read between the lines, I have very strong feelings about research. That's important. And it's important to, I use actually, one of the things I use with my kids, I use a project planning tool that is for companies. I use Trello. I'm doing a plug for Trello. Trello, if you'd like to sponsor us, you're welcome to. Uh, <laughs> I use Trello and it's great because it's dynamic. The list is really dynamic and you can like pull things out of mm. into considering to like, know, and then, you know, like, did we look at the school already? Did we talk about the school already? Right. If it's on the list. So it's, it's great to have something that physically tracks where you're looking at schools and your score and Naviance will do some of that. That's cool. As well. Um, I just find that especially on the early parts of planning, it's great to have a dynamic list that you're just like tracking what you've talked about and where you're putting those, those schools in terms of reach target likely. And yeah, we can always go back to it. Right. When we have that conversation again, like, Oh yeah, we talked about the school. We put it in reach. What, how are you feeling about it now? Oh, I research. I don't really like it. Okay. Let's put it back into considering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's something I do. How about you, Mayor? Anything else? You know, it's weird because I'm thinking about just mechanics of list building. And all I keep thinking about are like the other spokes on the same wheel, like researching really well. Like you, like you can't build a good list unless you research really well, um, how to visit schools, right. You know, all that stuff. Um, in terms of just list building, I think being really mindful of deadlines, I think that's something that I would sort of remind folks of. And why that, I mean, not just the deadlines of when you need to hit submit on an application, but also often there's sort of internal school deadlines for when you need to like submit this paperwork or put your list in score. Or, and yeah, that is so important because I've, I, <laughs> I had a student once who, you know, we were using Naviance at the time at the school that I worked in. And, you know, she had a list of about 13 schools. And I was like, okay, right, cool. And so that's what I, as her college counselor, knew was her list. And that's what we, she and I had discussed. And so when it came time for me to send things like the letters of recommendation and her transcript, you know, like kind of important documents. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I sent Critical them to those schools. Mm-hmm. And then I find out later, she's like, oh, I, I applied to like five oh. more schools. I oh. just didn't put them in Naviance. And I was like, girl. Yep. Homie, I knew that was coming, that, by the way. That, that's a great way to get denied is if they don't have the materials they need and no one can send materials. So that kind of, that's what I mean. That kind of stuff. No, totally. As somebody Ugh. who has worked in schools with you, you know, like, yeah, uh, that story is so familiar. And then the last minute scramble of trying to like, oh, no, 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 don't oh, do that. No. Don't do that. It's, it's, no, no, don't no, do no, that. don't do that. Yeah. It's really stressful. And guess what? Like that doesn't, reflect well on you. And that's not going to win over hearts and minds. So stressful for everybody. Your last minute stuff. Um, but I think we covered a lot of the mechanics. I'm feeling. Yeah. We did a good job, Meredith. We did. We tried to, we didn't wax philosophical too much. We minimized <laughs> our, yeah, we our minimized soapbox. Our, our soapbox got small. Our evangelizing. <laughs> we minimized that to some degree. And you're into that. If you're really into that stuff, Check out the first version of this. It, yes, exactly. Building college list. Episode one is all Episode the philosophy. Episode one of Listomania, right, is, uh, is, is, if you're into that, you could listen to that episode. Uh, I have one more question for you, Meredith. Yeah. I have been um, really 
on a bender with my sweets lately. With your sweets? Yes, with my sweets. I'm on a sweets bender. Okay. Like I can't, I have a, I have a sweets problem. Okay. Uh, Maybe it's not a problem. Maybe it's just a challenge. (laughs) It's a challenge. And it's, I think it's a hangover from the thickening. You know, did did we explain what the thickening was? (laughs) I think when in a previous episode, (laughs) we explained the thickening. Do you want to remind people of what the thickening was in case they didn't hear that? The thickening is the period I define (laughs) as from Halloween to January 1st, in which you eat all the things. Yeah. Because how can you not? Right. And then for me, it extends through Chinese New Year. Yeah. Which just happened. And uh, the thickening continues for me. Mm-hmm. Maybe <laughs> I think it's a shorter thickening, but you know, what I noticed is like, wow, I'm really into sweets right now. Like gotta have something sweet. Mm-hmm. So I just have a little question, which is what is your favorite sweet treat? Oh, thank God you asked me that. Cause I thought you were going to ask me like, and don't you say apples. I thought you thought, I thought you were going to ask me for like <laughs> advice on how to like curtail your sweet intake. And I was like, I, got no, I know you better than that. <laughs> I was like, I got I, was I, like, I have literally that. no I'm advice on that <laughs> because I share that and I have the like dental bills to prove it. Um, no, no. I want to know your sweet oh, treat. There's so many wonderful options to choose between. Hmm. What's your go-to? My go-to is dark chocolate covered almonds from Trader Joe's. I have a real problem with those. Oh, those are good. Oh, that helps me. Let me just narrow it to Trader Joe's products. I like the bucket of little mini chocolate chip cookies that they have. And it's like, like, a, oh, I know you like, like this yeah. <laughs> bucket. It is literal bucket. Yeah. It's actual bucket. One time I pounded that entire bucket in a That's day and a half. Not good for a you. A day and a half. So I'm just saying. <laughs> Everyone, oh, you can't see Mary. She's actually a skinny person, so that's surprising. <laughs> I like. I think it was the only thing I ate for a day and a half, but it was so great, and I have no regrets. Good for you. Live your best life, girl. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'd go with those. Those are always good. Okay, well, I'm gonna have to go get some next time at Trader Joe's. I'm, well, at least I'm gonna get some because when you come over to my house, then I'll have some for you. The bucket of cookies—they're not gonna last long. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. I'll buy them just for you. It's a Meredith. I'll put your name on them. This is how deep our friendship is. I love it so Meredith much. Cookies. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, I would. I hope you all can access your favorite sweet treat when you're helping your child think through their list. You might need a little sugar along the way or an adult beverage. <laughs> yeah. That might also help you if that's your thing. Um, but hopefully this episode kind of helped demystify the mechanics of building a list and you have a better idea of sort of some guidelines to help support your kid landing in a good list. Kathy, any final thoughts? No, thank you. We covered it all. And you know, if you need more help, you can always reach out to me or Meredith. Our contact information is on our website and we're happy to, you know, answer more questions if you have them. Definitely. Yeah. Thanks everyone. Thanks everybody. See you next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You. If you like what you're hearing and you have friends with teenagers, please share it with one of them. You can check out this episode and others on our website, wespeakteen.com. And we want to know what you want to know. So if you have questions or hot topics that you want us to cover, email us at hello at wespeakteen.com.